I, I like working with the farmers and I like helping them. You know, those years where damage is bad or hurricanes are coming, elevators are breaking down or plugged up. And it's, you know, a guy calls you this got a contract into Dreyfus, but can't deliver it because the lines are all the way to the interstate or they're done after they dump two trucks ahead of him that he can't get his truck dumped. And making that phone call to somebody that's, yeah, I can dump his truck, send him to me. Problem solving, that makes you feel good. And it's not always easy. You know, there's a lot of times you got to call the guy and say, I can't get your truck dumped. You know, there's the good and the bad with it, but helping those guys, you know, solve those problems or, you know, selling that guy $16 soybeans, you know, that makes you feel good when he gets a price that's just super high. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. Today, we are talking all about marketing and not the kind of advertising you might think, but marketing commodities. And we do that here at Louisiana Farm Bureau. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and today I have Greg Fox and Grayson Close from the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association to talk about how they fit into the Farm Bureau family and the benefit that they bring to farmers and ranchers across the state. If this sounds like something you're interested in, sit back, enjoy. This is a great episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. So guys, thanks for joining me, Greg, Grayson. Uh, let's start with where where you guys kind of joined this Farm Bureau marketing, Louisiana Farm Bureau family. Greg, I know you were the first one here. Tell me about how you found your way to Farm Bureau and when you started here and kind of what you did maybe before your uh, life Before in Farm, Farm Bureau, Bureau uh, I went to, I graduated McNeese State in uh, agribusiness. Uh, I got on with uh, Bungie. And Mermintal worked for them for about a year. They transferred me to Mississippi for about a year. Then I went to work for Cargill. It, and we're Bungie Mermintal. Uh, by Jennings, Louisiana. Um, just a grain okay. terminal, river terminal. Um, Jeff Davis Parish area. Um, and then they transferred me to Mississippi, right on the Mississippi River, a place called uh, Myersville, Mississippi, right in the Mississippi Delta. Um, another grain, you know, truck dump facility. Um, and from there, I went to work at Cargill and Reserve, Louisiana, loading export, you know, mm -hmm. it was an export elevator. And then the opportunity to go to Port Allen for Cargill came up and doing merchandising. So I took it. And working at Port Allen, I worked with Farm Bureau, I bought grain from Farm Bureau. And that's where I really found out about Farm Bureau and what they were doing and what they were doing for customers. And then uh, I was approached. Uh, by someone with Inform Bureau about a job opportunity, if I was interested, that they had one. And so I looked into it and it turned out, you know, it was a good deal. And uh, so we took it. And uh, so that was 2007, uh, July 2007, when I came to work for Farm Bureau. And I've been here ever since. So it's 16 years. Nice. And Grayson, your, your timeline is different because you came here, but almost not a decade later, but five, six, seven years later, right? Yeah. About that time. I'm originally from Alexandria. I uh, graduated from Louisiana Tech in agribusiness back when that was a thing there. Um, spent uh, six months looking for a job in 2010 when the economy was real bad. Great time. Yeah. Everybody was under a hiring freeze except the LSU Ag Center. So, And even they were at, at, at some point in that, but some professors had special permission to, to hire grant money and whatnot. So I got on with the LSU Ag Center at Dean Lee, uh, did three and a half years there, started looking for something else, about to get married at that time. Uh, 
I approached Farm Bureau via the website. I really didn't know anything about Farm Bureau, but I knew a guy that said I should send him my resume. So I did. Mm-hmm. And about, I don't know, two or three weeks later, Greg calls, hey, uh, we got a grain marketing position open. Are you interested? Sure. And so I spent a day shadowing Greg and another couple of days interviewing and meeting everybody. And then in February of 2014, they made it official and I've been here ever since. 2014. Did you know anything? Did you ever work in, do anything with marketing? Not with before, marketing. Before no, this? I, I was strictly research. Nice. So I guess let's even back up a little bit further from, from that. So y'all both kind of found your way differently to Farm Bureau. How did y'all find your way into ag? Like what did, what was it that, that how did y'all get involved? I know y'all both studied ag business. How did y'all Start with you, Grayson, I guess. How did you, what, what was it that, about agriculture that interested you that? I'd never, I didn't come from a family farm like a lot of folks here did. Um, but I grew up around farming in the, in around Alexandria, outside Alexandria, mm-hmm. up, up and down by Rapids, the Red River. Uh, I was always interested in it and never, never, uh, never had a path to get into it directly. But then, you know, once I got into college, I tried to do engineering, figured out I I was not a math student, so I moved out of that and then uh, moved into the agriculture stuff. Had a lot of buddies that were doing ag business, ag mm-hmm. programs, forestry. So I got into the the ag stuff and really enjoyed it, and that's that's how I wound up here. So you're kind of a first generation, I guess, uh, ag well guy in a sense. So I can back up a little further and and say third, maybe fourth, because. Uh, well, my grandfather had a tree farm in Sabine Parish. His dad farmed cotton in Sabine Parish a hundred years ago. My that's on my mom's side, and on my dad's side, my great grandfather and my grandfather started a produce warehouse in Alexandria that was in operation for many, many years. And that's where I really grew up was in that produce warehouse, buying from local farmers and and hmm. uh, of course big vendors from off, and then selling all that produce to schools, restaurants, and stuff in the Sinlaw area, Alexandria area. So. Pretty much the same thing you do now, right? Pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. What was your, Greg, what was your background? Uh, my I guess, family formed up until 1980. My dad got out of farming. Okay. It was either you farm or you get an oil field. He did both. He worked seven and seven and farmed. And so he took over the farm from his dad. And so he decided oil field was the best route for him. So we lived on the family farm, but you know, other people rented it and farmed it. And over time, they quit growing soybeans and some folks raised cattle on it. But I like Grayson. I had friends growing up that farmed, you know, Jeff Davis Parish, big rice area. So a lot of friends grew rice. So, you know, I spent a lot of t- summers driving carts for friends and just being out on their farms. Um, so I was always around agriculture growing up. But oddly enough, when I went to college, that wasn't my first choice, like a lot of folks, you know. And no, it was, was sports it medicine also? is what I wanted to go into. I wanted <laughs> wow. to be an athletic trainer. I thought that's what I wanted to be. And just really didn't like it. Got You know, was in just taking classes and just it didn't interest me. And I have a cousin who's a vet in Arkansas. And um, he approached me about uh, a vet tech uh, degree. I, I can't 100% remember what it's called. And um, I... Looked into that, but I would have had to transfer schools and I was like, you know, well, I'm just going to go into agriculture. And 
you know, my ag teacher in high school was a big influence on me. Uh, we still communicate to this day. And uh, I talked to him about it and he, you know, these are the things that you could potentially do in agriculture and an and ag teacher was one of them. And uh, so I, you know, joined the ag department at McNeese and met great people, had great teachers, the best teachers at McNeese. I felt that they wanted you to learn, they helped you, and it was a good environment to be in. And and so I, I stuck with it and ended up, uh, you know, graduating and, you know, finding an opportunity through, you know, different people. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So let's, now that we've talked about how y'all came to be here at Louisiana Farm Bureau, let's talk about what you guys do. It's kind of a, uh, maybe it's a hidden gem, I guess, within the company here, the Grain Marketing Association. Yep. Is that the, the Louisiana term? Farm Bureau Marketing Louisiana Association. Farm Bureau Marketing what is official marketing title. Association. Nice. Well, how did, I mean, I know neither one of you guys were here. It was already here. Like you said, you were, yeah. you were buying from Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing. Do y'all know any of the backstory of how this, this came what to I be? What I heard before was some farmers were looking for opportunity to help sell their crops. Kind of a, where can I call mm -hmm. to get basis information uh, and market information? Um, and I think that's somehow how it started. Some members got together and they started it based off of their needs. Like a lot of things with Farm Bureau, it's, mm -hmm. it's what the farmers mm -hmm. need and they found they found the the avenue to help them. Yeah. Kind of create it for them. Cool. And I, I know I've done stories with customers of the Farm Bureau Marketing Association and uh, they have nothing but great things to say. What, I guess, Grayson, when, when you're talking to maybe a potential customer or farmer or Farm Bureau member that's, that's curious about, could this be a useful tool? Could the Marketing Association be useful for me and my farm? What, I guess, how do you, how does that discussion go? Typically starts with, you know, what do you grow? How do you, how do you think you want to sell it? Where do you think you want to sell it at? That's a complicated discussion. It, there. It, it, it is. Myself, right? It is. Selling it, it, a crop. Very much, very much so. Cause there's a, there's a, it can be as complicated as you want it to be, or it can be as simple as you want it to be. You know I mean, is that where y'all's jobs come in? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm going to quit interrupting you in a second. No, but. no, it's, it's good. I mean, it, we have a lot of folks that, that don't sell anything till it crosses a scale. And that's as simple as it gets. Mm -hmm. When it hits the pit at the elevator, it's sold, it's done. They're going to get what they get, and that's it. And they're happy with it. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a lot of folks that will forward book stuff. You know, they'll book their, we're starting a book now for next year. And that's one of the advantages of, of using Farm Bureau is that well, you can book stuff now for 2024 crop mm -hmm. and not have to pay any kind of margin call, any margin money, and you don't have to maintain those hedges. That's one of the advantages of using us. But then th that's one group. And you got another group that's, that's getting into the weeds. And as I like to say, uh, with the marketing stuff, they're buying options, they're selling calls and puts and doing all kind of different things to, to increase the profitability of the farm. So it really, we try to get to know the, the individual farmer, new, uh, it, whether it be a new customer or an existing customer and get to know their operation and what they're trying to get out of it before we start saying, okay, this is what we think you need to do. So marketing wise y'all are partners almost with, with these farmers i mean y'all are kind of walking hand in hand with them through probably a we lot of decisions them. right yeah to their decisions i don't want to say you're i don't want to say you're no. making their decisions no no at all. Yeah. we always it's leave it's always it up their decision make their decisions it's, but at it's the end important. of the day it's what's best for them yeah and nobody knows their situation like they do mm -hmm. 
but it is important to give them the best and most accurate information that we can give them to help guide that decision. I know that's a, a that's a full time job for you guys, staying up on all those the trends and the markets. I know y'all talk with Neil Malonso on the radio reports here, Neil and Avery, mm-hmm. about, constantly right. about kind of trends y'all are seeing. How I, I grew up on a farm, and I've heard my dad talk about this stuff my whole life. Uh, market prices, you know, whatever Chicago's doing, this and that. How did y'all learn about that? Like, did y'all learn that? Did y'all talk about that in ag business school? I mean, how I many took a ton of classes? economic classes in college. To be honest, to remember what some of that was, I don't. It was, uh, for me, it was on the job training. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in college, you'd learn about, you'd learn what the Chicago Board of Trade is and a little bit of history of it and what it's there for. But, uh, you know, trial by fire is where you're going to get most of, most of your knowledge. Especially in this, and then just this with people the I worked with, you know, coming from Cargill, the biggest grain company in the world, probably um, having a lot of folks that I was able to talk to there. That uh, some of them were, you know, my age, some of them just a little bit older than me, and some of them quite a bit older than me that been in it a long time, giving you that guidance. And yeah, I went to several different elevators with for some training and met some great people and and was able to call those guys and ask questions. You know, there was a gentleman in Houston when Cargill owned that facility, ran that facility in Houston, Mike Allen. He's passed away since, but he was somebody that I called all the time and talked to about different things, what's going on. And uh, he gave me a lot of guidance. And um we we work with Stone X on our hedges and we've had some great people there that I've been able to t- talk to and ask questions and information that they give us. Uh, that's where you, you kind of pick up a lot of things from those individuals that what to read into and um, kind of limit what you read to a degree because there's so much information out there. But just talking to them is mm-hmm. you kind of learn what you're looking for, but it, it changes so fast that it's you, a lot of times you're just kind of, just right on the roller coaster ride, just trying to find a spot mm-hmm. to get yeah, off. A lot of it's, a lot of it's out of anybody's control because it's computers trading, mm. doing all the trading, especially at night. I mean, that's why we always tell people to put their open orders in because the market generally trades higher at night when nobody's watching because it's the computers doing all the trading, not actual people. You're making my head hurt. And yeah. we haven't even started talking about numbers or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So computers are doing what? Well, it, the I'm Board sorry. of Trade, you don't have the trader standing there throwing the fingers in the air to buy and sell. That's you what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah, it's it's no longer yeah. trading places in the Chicago. That pit is empty now. I don't, I don't, even I don't, think don't have no it idea. It's Maybe for options or anything or something, but most of it now is yeah, algorithmic it's trading. It's a it's an algorithm built into the computer that says when the board hits a certain price, they either buy or sell, and it triggers another one and another one and another one. And that's why you yeah. get just spirals, probably. And that's why you got tens of thousands of contracts, and in that's why you're day. and yeah. it adds liquidity to the market. So it's a, it is, it's actually and that's a good why you thing. see the volatility that we've seen the last five years. You know, you see back when I I can remember being at Cargill, seeing beans hit six bucks thinking we were doing something and making moves up to $8 beans. We thought, wow, this market's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that took days 
for those that, that those runs to happen. You traded four or five cents a day. You had a 10 cent move in a day. You were doing something. You have a 10 cent run in five minutes now. I mean, it's to see the way these markets, they're up 20, 30 cents and then down 20, 30 cents. It, it, you pull your hair out. Mm-hmm. For our non-farmer listener, 10, 20, 30 oh, cents yeah, is a big crop. deal. In any crop. In any it's crop, deal, probably, right? Yeah. Soybeans, it's it's a big deal. Uh, it's not as big a deal as it is with corn and wheat because corn and wheat, you're still in single digit prices. Mm-hmm. Whereas soybeans, we've been we've been over ten over twelve dollars for going on a year and a half, probably. Mm-hmm. But these also these contracts are no, not it's for a thousand each contracts are five thousand tens of thousands. Yeah, yeah. So okay. It, it so it, yeah. it starts to add up pretty quick. Let me let's kind of backtrack from the I guess getting too much in the weeds here. What is it that you hear from your 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 customers, you know, year in, year out about why they continue to work with you guys? And like I guess what's their what's your what's your customer feedback, you know, from a sense of I mean, we talked about kind of how you go to sell and like talk about getting to know these customers. That relationship has to be something pretty valuable, but what do you hear back from I think from the biggest customers? thing is just the flexibility that we give them. So they hedge with us. So they're selling to us. And so they're not locked into a specific grain elevator. So they can call us and say, you mm-hmm. know, I've got, you know, 10,000 bushels at $13. What's the bids out there? Who Who's bidding what? And so we can give them those numbers and they can look at their freight. And then we can give them other information like, well, we see guys hauling this and th- this elevator is grading maybe a little harder. They're seeing this kind of damage or um, here's their hours. And you know, well, we know this elevator is going to be closed in two weeks for maintenance or um, so you might, you know, consider that if you're going to lock into there. And so we can give them some information that they just hadn't got yet, because uh, at some point they're mm-hmm. going to get a lot of that information. And a lot more phone calls. And so they can, yep. you know, get with us, find out what's the best route for them and then lock it in. And then once they start moving that grain, it's just the way we we pay people. Uh, the settlements that we give, it's, you know, we they find it's easier to file and a lot of that information is here at their fingertips when uh, crop insurance comes calling. We can pull a report and email it to their crop agent or mm-hmm. to them or mail it to them or however they need it to be done. So it's just the flexibility that we give them as, as far as for paperwork and then just overall information. Yeah, it's a lot of the same. You know, you get you get the guys that are super appreciative because they don't have to worry about how to do their landlord checks mm. and how to, and worrying about yeah, paying for freight, I think is yeah. one of the biggest things they don't, we pay all that for them and they don't have to worry about it. They can keep doing whatever, whether it be cutting, spraying, plowing, mm-hmm. if they're moving, hunting, moving into the next crop. That's a big one this time of year. Hunting. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the, the flexibility, like Greg said, but also the ease of use. So mm-hmm. like Dana, one of our secretaries has been here 30 years. So she knows the almost ninety percent of the customer base. She's been dealing with them forever, and a lot of them they call mm-hmm. her and say, "Hey, I'm ready to get paid." And just because she's done it so long, she's got a she's got it all written down on how they want it done. Is anything changed from last year or the previous? Nope, nothing's changed. Sorry, your check will be ready later today. That's pretty awesome. You know, so it's you know a lot of that information is kept. You know that we know how. They have been paid before, and if nothing changes, then 
it's just plug and play almost. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, hey, I got to change it. Something happened with this. Okay, what needs to be done? Well, I got to do it this way. Can you do that? Yep, I can do that. Might take a little longer, but I can get it taken care of for you. Geographically speaking, and I know commodity-wise, y'all don't deal with cotton, right? No, it's just strictly grains. Just grains. So I guess cotton rules out a, a portion of what this question, I guess, could be. There's not a lot of cotton down this direction near I-10. What... Where where are most of our customers geographically speaking? Like, is there a, is there kind of a line, or is it statewide? Do I mean, we have we people can, up we in can, Shreveport. Yeah, we've got folks all, all the way up to Shreveport. We can do, we can work with anybody in the state, and mm -hmm. are willing and glad to do that. But our customer base is probably concentrated around the the Saint Landry, northeast to Avalos Parish, and then kind of back up towards Alexandria and that mm -hmm. Saint Landry, Point Coupee. Ovals, South Rapids area. My follow-up question to that is why why is that area and I guess maybe what are what are some factors that maybe go into people wanting to work with you guys? I know I'm thinking of my dad does not use the marketing association because he's got the sim similar relationships with folks in the northeast Louisiana. Is that are there there's options, options I think for, it's for because of the um, the export elevators. So we can deliver into two export elevators, Dreyfus and Zeno, so directly into those facilities. Appealing Very appealing because their basis is typically higher than anybody else's. So you have those two markets that you can go into from all of those areas. And then you have a few, you know, grain elevators that they can jump to as well. So using us, that they can just say, I've got 20,000 bushels sold. I want to do 10,000 to the export elevators, but I'm going to sit on the rest in case I've got a the weather's coming. I need to make a quick load into a Letsworth or a Vidalia. Um, I can do that and still do it through us. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just because of, the, you know, that we have a lot of options here, but the export elevators make it more enticing. Whereas your dad's so far away from the export elevator, it doesn't, his, it doesn't call it. It's not cost effective for him to truck that grain all the way down to the to the to Zeno or to Dreyfus. Mm -hmm. Right. So geography does have something to do with, yeah. with, with yeah. that. Yeah, it does. You know, your proximity to to these export elevators and like the guys up at Shreveport, they make it work because they're getting paid so much more. Well, and they also in they Shreveport don't they the, don't have yeah. right. the elevator right. infrastructure can, that yeah. we do in northeast Louisiana. Right. They can either go all the way to the east side of the state and get paid whatever they're paying, or they can go the same distance to Port Allen down here and make and more money. And that's what they pencil mm -hmm. in. You know, that's what they look at. It's shorter to go to Jonesville, but it's not as easy to get to Jonesville the way they got to go. It's just as easy mm -hmm. to drive all the way down to Dreyfus, and they're going to net more money. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where that relationship with you guys comes in, where you can kind of help look at these options and, yeah. oh, and yeah. figure that out, Just right? talk it out with yeah. them. You know, yeah. like how many times you trying to figure something out, you can't do it. You go talk it out with a buddy, somebody that that's, does the same thing you do. That's how I need to do that. And the same thing they call mm -hmm. us, hey, what's these guys bidding? Well, that's what they're bidding. Well, I, it's going to cost me X amount of freight. And, well, with their bases and your freight, you start, start penciling, penciling out. Stuff out. It's, you know, they're running these kind of hours. Um, you know, you can do this. Oh, that that, that sounds good. We also have great relationships with these elevators too, with their with their personnel and managers and merchandisers. So, you know, if we have a guy that calls us, "Hey, I got a problem," you know, 
something like that. Can I? Can you get me a better bid? Well, let me call and see what I can do. And, and kind of negotiate a little can, bit. We can help negotiate a little bit, that's especially nice. if a group gets together and wants to pile all their bushels at one time. That's that's kind of like icing on the cake for for the, a lot of these elevators. And it's probably sweetens the deal for you guys on the, yeah. in the middle between the elevator and that that, that group helps of farmers, it, maybe, right? It gives the elevator, you know, when we call them and say, hey, we got some bushels, they know we have bushels, that we're not just... Mm-hmm. We're not just probing them to try to get a better number or see what their basis levels are going to do later on. They know when we call that, hey, we've got 80,000 bushels of soybeans that can be delivered in the month of December. You know, these customers are looking for X bid. They know we mean it. Mm-hmm. We're not just pulling legs. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the grain together. And a lot of times, you know, during harvest, after harvest, the elevators will call us and say, hey, I'm looking for 50,000 bushels of beans. To I got a boat that's that's coming in and my barges are late. You know, can, can y'all get this grain together for us? Do you have that much out there? And a lot of times, except this year, you know, because it was just such a rough year, but a lot of times that grain's sitting in the grain bin. You call them up and say, so you can call hey, Dreyfus is and... looking for this. Zeno's looking for this. You know, you want to do it. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, so just... So just back into the weeds for a second if that happens that farmer has soybeans booked at i don't even know the numbers 1250 will dreyfus be making that deal yeah, on the, on the basis, basis form yeah. that's where they're that's where how they're giving yeah. a farmer a sweet deal no Not just on, on the, the market basis, price, saying, on the basis. Yeah, we're gonna offer you right. you know a dollar over yeah the basis is their their incentive to have bushels delivered to them gotcha what they can pay over the market, sometimes under down here, and a lot of other places around the state and the country, it, basis is a negative number. Mm-hmm. But down here, it's typically positive, and it's what they pay extra for you to deliver them your grain. Mm-hmm. Got you. Yeah, as long as I've worked in the industry, I still am really horrible with understanding all the mechanics. But I, I do know the basis is a uh, yeah, it's the bargaining it's the chip kind of right. to get you to a lot go of times. Yeah. Got you. Um, Let's go back to to Farm Bureau. You kind of were talking about Greg about the when you call an elevator, they know you're you're serious. You mean business. It was I was starting to shift into another world of in in Farm Bureau when when Farm Bureau starts to speak, legislators listen. You know our uh, whatever stakeholders that Farm Bureau is representing are are is talking to. They know that Farm Bureau is serious. Has that been kind of always been the reputation with the marketing association that that y'all are um i guess good for your work yes kind of no. thing i mean is that um simply because with these facilities especially the export elevators you might work with the same people for two three years and then they rotate out and so you're dealing mm-hmm. with new people who don't really understand what you are and what you're doing so you gotta a lot of times mm-hmm. you you You've built a great relationship with somebody and they move on to a different position. You get somebody new and you got to start over. And when they realize what you're doing, uh, because there's other folks that do what we do. um, And, you know, I don't know. It's been a long time since I dealt with some of those folks. But, you know, I don't know if they have the volume that we have or the the customer base that we have. But you're, you're building that new relationship with somebody. And so... It's you start from scratch and you kind of this is what we can do if you need this or need that call us and we can help you with this we can help you with that and so you know it might take a year or two to get it going and then then they see that oh well it's a I can call you and get 
information, mm-hmm. one stop shop, and get some bushels come in. So it it sometimes it's a process. Yeah. Well, I just like I said, I was thinking about you know a lot of times when we talk to Joe Mapes, he says, "Oh, when when Farm Bureau when we put the Farm Bureau name." On the line, people people pay attention. They stand up and recognize the the, the yeah, force behind the or the you know the strength and the value of of the brand. I didn't know if that kind of also was was true in the marketing association. It, or it's, it's, more relationship. it's a lot of relationship because you got to build that trust with anybody. So when I went to work at Cargill, I didn't really know what Form Bureau did. I'd heard about Form Bureau, but I didn't know one hundred percent what they what they did for customers. And that's a conversation in itself with Cargill and Form Bureau. Um, but it, it took a while to really understand what they were doing and why mm-hmm. customers were using them. And, you know, you would have customers that would use Farm Bureau, then stop using Farm Bureau and use us directly. Cargill, Cargill directly. And then Cargill directly. the next year they weren't using Cargill directly and went back to Farm Bureau because they just didn't like the way things worked or something they didn't like. So mm-hmm. they went back to what they were used to and what they knew. Um, and but then I learned what Farm Bureau can do and what, what they're doing. And so like any mm-hmm. young trader starts a job and, you know, oh, you, you are, I can, I don't need you. I, I don't need you to sell me grain. I can get grain from anybody. It's like, oh, well, you can get me a lot of grain in a short amount of time. You know, I can call you once. I can call you and you can get the word out that I'm broke down faster than I can call, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred farmers, you know, Farm Bureau can get it out faster uh, than what I can. Mm-hmm. So it takes me a little bit and they see the value of what we're doing. It makes you proud of what y'all do. It makes yeah. you proud of what y'all do. Yeah. yeah. You've been here. I'm talking to Grayson. <laughs> I'm using eye contact today <laughs> and, <laughs> and audio medium. Uh, Grayson, you've been here uh, about the same time I've been here, but I'm, I'm just going to assume this, that you see Farm Bureau as a place you want to stick around. What is it about Farm Bureau? I'm going to ask Greg, you can start thinking about this. I'm just letting you take a break for so a second. Get spot you you get, get you're, you're on the spot, Grayson. What is it about Farm Bureau that, that you like? I mean, Marketing Association, the, the Farm Bureau Global, <laughs> the big Farm Bureau, big Louisiana Farm Bureau family. Federation as a whole. What is it about the, the company you like being around? The culture. I mean, we're all, we're, Federation is, is a small group of, very close knit coworkers. Uh, you know, we all we are all in our different departments and everything, but we all try to work together. We all have a same end goal of helping producers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the general message of Farm Bureau is how can we help producers? That's how it started back, however, in the early nineteen hundreds, whenever it 1922. was nineteen twenty two, nineteen twenty two, and um, <laughs> so it, the culture is, is the big thing. I mean, it's. Besides the the pack of the benefits and whatnot, you can mm-hmm. get off in the weeds with that. But to to if I had to stick it to one thing, I would say the culture. Mm. That's a good answer. That's a correct answer. A correct answer. <laughs> I, I like say, working Greg? with the farmers, and I like helping them. You know, those years where damage is bad, or hurricanes are coming, elevators are breaking down, or plugged up, and it's you know a guy calls you that's got a contract into Dreyfus, but can't deliver it because the lines are all the way to the interstate or, or, or they're going to, or they're done after they dump two trucks ahead of him that he can't get his truck dumped and making that phone call to somebody that's, yeah, I can dump his truck, send him to me. You know, that makes you feel good. Yeah. Some problem solving. solving. That makes you feel good. And it's not always easy. You know, there's a lot of times you got to call the guy and say, I can't get your truck dumped, you know? And so it's, 
you know, there's the good and the bad with it, but helping those guys, you know, solve those problems or, you know, selling that guy $16 soybeans, you know, that makes you feel good when he gets a price that's just super high. Um, and then just working with the people in Farm Bureau is, you know, that's always been, you know, kind of icing on the cake that you get to work with like-minded people to a degree. They might not necessarily do your job or anything associated with your job, but it's all ag-related. And it's all about helping mm -hmm. the industry grow and stay what it is in Louisiana. And so that, that makes it fun to be able to work with the people in the building. Well, y'all both just inspired me with two different follow-up questions. I'll start with you because you just talked about this, Greg, but getting $16 soybeans for somebody, y'all celebrate these wins, but y'all aren't, I mean, this isn't like a profit, sh profit sharing thing. I, I don't want to get too much into that, but like y'all aren't cutting a big chunk out of the $16 no, soybeans that you're selling this farmer. Y'all you know, so you <laughs> a, know, nickel. a whole nickel. A whole so nickel. we're working hard for our nickel, whole nickel. but it's, but y'all, y'all yeah, celebrate these big prices. Y'all get these farmers just, and, and y'all feel it when it, when yeah. they, when they oh, don't. Yeah. It's exciting hit, right? when, the markets are running and the phones are ringing and guys are selling at great price levels. It's fun. And it's heartbreaking when mm -hmm. a guy calls and says, put in that open order for $15 and the board trades to $14.99. He doesn't get his order filled. And, you know, at the end of the week, it's, you know, 1380 beans. You've seen it drop that mm -hmm. much in the amount of time. It's, you know, that's heartbreaking. Um, you know, the plus side is still 1380 soybeans, still a pretty good price, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's but it could have been, you know, you, been. you celebrate yeah. the wins and then you, you, you remember the losses. But y'all yeah. feel those just the same way. Of, maybe not, maybe not in the bank account, but y'all still, y'all still feel that with the farmer because yeah, y'all yeah. care about it. Yeah, uh, that's, I think yeah, that's nice like to, I said, our end goal is to is to do the best we can for the producer. Mm -hmm. And when when he does good, when they do good, they hit that fifteen dollars or whatever it happens to be, and they're happy yeah. about it. We're happy about it. Mm -hmm. When they have to settle for twelve fifty in a year of sixteen dollars, and they're not so thrilled, then we're not so thrilled. I right? Mean, we only prosper when they eight, prosper. Two thousand eighteen, right. we had that real bad damage year. And I can remember some guys calling us saying they were, they were done. They were getting out. That they could sell their equipment. Yeah, yeah, we had cover their retire, cover their debts, and have money left over. It was, you know, some of those guys I had worked with at Cargill. So I had, you know, been 10, 15, 10 years of doing business with them, and they just say it's too tough. It, it's this is the time to get out. That that's heartbreaking. That sucks. You know, to see good people have to hang up what they love and move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the toughest part. I, I I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, but for years, even after I started at Farm Bureau, I started having these thoughts of like, man, maybe I should go back and farm with that. Because I, I, I'll do stories on Twyla for this father-son combo and be like, man, what a cool gig, like getting to work with your dad every day. Me and my dad are tight. So like, and then I guess somewhere maybe even... It may have been 18, 19, somewhere in that year where we just had storm after storm after storm. And it's just like, good Lord, how do these farmers do it? And I'm sitting there saying things like that. And I'm all of a sudden saying, maybe I'm going <laughs> to stick, stick it out at Farm Bureau yeah. because yeah. I don't know how they handle the stress they do. And, and that's, 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 they that's talk a, to us about the sad it. We're part therapists of this, sometimes. This business. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you're a therapist I feel too. like a therapist sometimes. Greg, uh, Grayson, the thing that you, your answer to the culture, 
of Farm Bureau made me think of is you mentioned the Federation. You mentioned, you know, all the different companies that that all are hoping and working towards uh, the betterment of the ag community in rural Louisiana. Where, I guess, can y'all describe or how can we describe the marketing as an association? It's a company within itself, right? How does it fall under the umbrella? Do you have to be a member of Louisiana Farm Bureau to to participate in the marketing association? We'd like you to be a member. Yeah, we'd like you to be. We'd love for you. But it's it's a separate thing, totally. But it's kind of within. within. It's separate. You know, we fall under the Farm Bureau umbrella, but we, you know, we we are for profit, Mm -hmm. unlike Federation. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, cut to the side, so to speak. You know, we rent space in the building. so, you know, we are somewhat set aside, but yet we're still embraced by, you know, Farm Bureau. Yeah, because yeah. Grayson was mentioning this about us all being a tight-knit group. And y'all, as far as anyone in the building is concerned, are not at all no. set, separated or cut apart or anything. Paper, but just on paper for the legalese yeah, all and the, all that nonsense, y'all yeah. are separate for, because of the for-profit nature right. of the, right. the business. Right. Right. I just want to make that clear for anyone that's listening and, and maybe confused. Yeah. We already have enough confusion out there about the, the Farm Bureau insurance and federation yeah, and everything yeah. and else. You, you grab a random stranger off the street and that you say Farm Bureau and they're automatically running the insurance. They're not no, running the marketing. No, I'm, they're I'm not assuming. running the marketing. So it, it, to explain to somebody, okay, there's a whole separate side and federation is separate from insurance and we're separate from federation <laughs> just muddy in the waters just, yeah it's getting if anybody getting in the building asks, i just say i work for federation it just keeps it simple anybody in the insurance out of the when building i run into right. people it's, outside you know what do you do for a living i say i work for farm bureau and they look at you, and i tell them i work for the ag side of farm bureau the actual ag side of farm bureau right. and then they look at you funny and you, you give a brief ex i don't do yeah. insurance and they look at you funny like Oh, well, I was expecting you to give me some policy answers or something. I'm, yeah. I'm not your person for that. I deal with the same thing. I said, I can shoot a video <laughs> of you there. <laughs> They're like, how does that relate to Farm Bureau? I'm like, yeah. yeah, it's a long story. So I know y'all deal with the same thing. But uh, is there anything we didn't hit on? I know I, we've talked about this and I see you guys every day in the office. Uh, is there anything we haven't talked about? Uh, you mentioned Dana. Let's also yeah, give Dana Dina, a Dina's shout out. Been, what, yeah. Those Dana, two ladies probably years. keep y'all sane, right? Yeah, Dina. Well, Dina's uh, technically in her fourth year. She she was an intern um, for uh, yeah, women's committee. Yeah, or she, in the classroom. Sorry, yeah. but with us, she's within her third year. And we'd be uh, remiss not to mention that we do have a, the rice office in Crowley that that I, does all this, but strictly with rice. I almost brought that up, but I, I am as, as ignorant as I am about grains that my family farms and marketing those. I'm doubly so with rice and i know yeah, that's yeah, a whole a totally different, different animal uh, group yeah and they all work out of, yeah, totally work out of crowley so yeah thank you for bringing that up because i did ignore that or, or kind of skip past that mark if you're listening mm-hmm. forgive me uh i just feel I, I i left it out on purpose because i yeah cannot explain it at all good but, team over there they do they do the same thing we do, but they just handle rice. Just rice. rice. And, um, but they'll also mill samples, which is something we don't do. They'll mill they samples. They put their hands on the put grain. Put their hands on the rice, give you a grade on it, and then they'll go to bat for you at the mill and say, no, no, this is this is what we mill. And, and that's that the crazy thing is they can take a sample from a farmer, mill it, and get a mill, 
and the farmer will deliver it to the rice mill and they'll mill it and get a different mill and Farm Bureau calls, hey, this is what we got. And they'll take Farm Bureau's milling, you know, or they'll negotiate kind of in between where the grain elevators, mm-hmm. if you dump it and they say it's X, they'll regrade it for you. But they're not going to, if you tell them, oh, we graded it here at, at this damage, yeah. they're going to laugh at you. I saw I yeah, saw those 2022 soybeans at 1% yeah, they're damage. Not <laughs> they're not going to listen to well, that. The, the 22 no. season, was, <laughs> no. as far as for quality, was outstanding. You know, we just didn't have much of it. Or, or 23 season, excuse me. 22. I'm talking about oh, yeah, 22, 22 stuff. Right? Yeah, 22, stuff was, 22 was not a great year. 23 has... 23 has been outstanding. Yeah, 22 was a struggle. But yeah, the yield was yeah, the just not, it's not the, the volume that we That's needed. one thing Crowley does that we don't do. Gotcha. Is the, the grading part. I feel like that needs to be a whole other episode where we kind of discuss how they fit into that. I mean, it's similar... The way they fit under the well, umbrella. Well, they're with the marketing association. All, it's yeah. one company. They're, they're it's one company us, with you guys, just, but they're, you know, we're the we're the business. We handle this part of the business. They handle that part of the business. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. I think and that'd it makes be a nice sense for them to be over there because well, yeah. that's where of, all the rice is. Well, that's where the rice is for them to go get the sample to grade it and be able to help help mm-hmm. those rice guys with with that part of it. Um. So I started by saying can't leave out Dina and Dana, and you brought up can't leave out the entire other half of the department that's remote over in Crowley. So thank you for that. Um, any closing words or thoughts or I, I guess let me let me do this. There's a farmer sitting here at this empty seat at the table I'm pointing to that nobody can see. How do you guys uh, let's have that conversation with this farmer? Uh, how would you go at? Maybe, you know, telling him about the great uh, resource that you guys can be and, and maybe being a part of their well, toolbox on their farm. first I tell him to go back and listen to this podcast and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, <laughs> but 30 seconds, the elevator you know, pitch. Market it through us. You get that flexibility that you're not obligated to one elevator until you sell it to that elevator. Um, but we do have the flexibility to move you in an emergency situation. We can get that done for you. We handle all your paperwork for you. Um, we can answer just about every question you have. If we don't have the answer, we've got resources to find you that answer. Um, so, you know, we're here for you 24 seven, almost now with cell phones. So, you know, get a lot of phone calls at harvest. Here's my cell phone number. Uh, You can get a lot of phone calls. We do text out important information when breakdowns happen, markets make a run. You know, the, the, the information that we give out alone is worth signing up because it costs you nothing to sign up with us. You only pay when you use this. And Mm -hmm. it's like Greg said, just that nickel marketing fee, but having the flexibility to hedge, to lock in a good price now and not be committed to a particular elevator. That is is the the biggest thing. And like, you know, if you use like uh, some of those other services out of the Midwest that will tell you when to sell, what price to sell, you got to pay up front for that service. You pay by the acre Mm -hmm. where for us, you can sign up, never use us, and call us, and we'll tell you what you think, what we think. I mean, it's not going to hurt me. I'll tell you exactly what I think is going to happen. You know, a lot of times I'm wrong. So, you know, sometimes I hope I'm wrong, you know, the way these markers are trading. But, you know, you actually use us. We charge you the nickel and go on about our business. Do you guys have room for more customers? Absolutely. You can always help <laughs> folks out, you know, it's, uh, oh yeah, we have the capacity to handle and to help yeah. more farmers. Right. Right. 
Cool. Well, guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I know I, I kind of asked you uh, to repeat everything from the entire podcast, Greg, so I appreciate your uh, willingness to play along there at the end. But um, if you want to learn more about the Marketing Association, about Louisiana Farm Bureau in general, I'll have all kinds of links in the show notes. Uh, and I actually am going to include a story that I did for this week in Louisiana agriculture with a corn farmer this year who could not stop raving about the Marketing Association over in St. Landry Parish, I yeah. believe. Yeah, Is that right? Yeah, it. I nailed that. Yeah, you nailed it. I was trying to think. I was like, I think it's St. Landry Parish. But yeah, yeah, great story. And he had incredible things to say. And I maybe even put a link of that video up in the show notes as well. So guys, thanks for joining me. And for anyone listening, we'll see you again right here next time on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. <laughs>